welcome to RX Rounds, a podcast that focuses on health education in the Caribbean community. I am your host, Alandra Mitchell. Welcome back to RX Rounds. This is a very exciting episode for me personally. I am having the opportunity to interview one of the people that I absolutely love the most in the podcast world. So this is Dr. Richard Wade. He's also a pharmacist. And we're going to talk today about personal protective equipment. Hey, Dr. Wade. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I didn't want to give the whole story. I feel like I'm a little excited right now. So I wanted you to tell folks who you are. Yes, yes. So uh, like you mentioned, my name is Richard Waith. I'm a pharmacist. Uh, I live down in Miami, Florida. Uh, I've been in Miami my whole life. Um, My parents uh, immigrated to the U.S. when I was, um, or, you know, before I was born. And um, uh, first moved to New Jersey, actually, and that's where I was born, and then uh, moved down to Miami when I was one. So all I really know is uh, mostly is Miami, but um, both my parents are from Trinidad. Um, I, I primarily have a background in terms of my career in community pharmacy, um, you know, where, you know, working at like a regular retail uh, chain. And currently now I'm working at a company that creates medication education videos for patients. Um, so we work with uh, health systems, we work with pharmacies and other sort of healthcare organizations, and um, we license our video content out to those um, those companies, and then those companies will send uh, those videos to help their patients better understand their health and their medications and things like that. So uh, quick background about me. Uh, funny story too, um, weird enough being from Trinidad and being uh, you know raised in Miami, uh, one thing I absolutely love to do is actually go snowboarding. Um, oh. So it's, it's not something common to us in our culture, yeah. but uh, it's something I did once in college uh, and I fell in love with it. And then it's something I try to do at least once a year. So, Yeah. And what about like your digital media content, like social media? Because you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, TikTok. I saw you set up a TikTok account, yeah. which are really funny videos, actually. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I started realizing that and following some of the way that other people are started building their brands. I started realizing that like the way things in the world are really changing and almost everything that we do and consume involve digital media. Um, and a lot of times the majority, the majority of that is social media, things like Instagram, LinkedIn, and who knows what it's going to be like in five or 10 years, what the popular platform is going to be. But one thing I realized for myself is, if I want certain things to happen in my career and if I want certain things that I want to happen out in the world, I need to make sure I am keen on how to use all these digital platforms and how to create content for all these digital platforms. So I started, you know, obviously creating accounts for all the ones that I knew millions of people were using and started figuring out how to make content on all those different platforms around the things that I was passionate about. Um, So, you know, I really, really dove into that. And I think it's important for I think everyone to, um, especially no matter what type of, uh, you know, career you want to have, or what type of things you want to happen, because you want to be in in politics or in business, or because you're running a hair salon, or whatever it is, I think that anyone that's listening to this is doing to achieve a lot of the things that you want to happen in life doing that and creating content on, on digital media platforms like social media is a really good way um, to make that easier for yourself. Nice. Well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, 
you definitely kind of inspired me to step into the podcasting realm. So thanks so much for doing that. No problem. That's it's really an honor to know that, you know, a lot of what you're saying and things that you're going to do in the future kind of stem from, you know, from my podcast, RX Radio. So that's, that's really awesome to hear. And, I'm, uh, and it's a big step that you take. So I'm definitely, uh, definitely honored by that. Great. Oh, so today we're going to talk about um, personal protective equipment. So this has been a big thing in the U.S., in the Caribbean as well. A lot of folks are worried about whether or not we're, we, our healthcare professionals are being protected and should they be using more personal protective equipment. So generally in healthcare, tell us what PPE is. Yeah, so I think in healthcare, um, you know, I'm glad that you're kind of distinguishing that. Uh, PPE is basically involved covering almost every aspect of your body. When it comes to um, a gown, when it comes to gloves, um, you know, hair net, like hair coverings, uh, goggles, masks, uh, face shields. It's really anything that kind of covers the surfaces of your body and, and covers the uh, clothing that someone is wearing under or over their body, I should say, and under the PPE, um, really to prevent uh, any sort of chance or possibility that a virus or some bacteria, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to be protected against, making sure those particles and substances don't get onto either your skin, um, your clothing, and, and things that you're wearing um, under that PPE. Yeah. So that's kind of why it's important, right? So that we can protect ourselves in general in healthcare. But, um, exactly. There's also PPE in all other professions, as you mentioned, distinct, that distinction between healthcare and other professions, because then you have construction workers, maybe they'll need a, a hat or um, even the police force, they have the gas mask if needed or like body armor and things like that. So, so for healthcare, this is not like a specific thing, but we definitely need to protect our healthcare workers. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, and like you mentioned, you know, it, that can change depending on even if you're not working in any of these different types of environment, you know, as we'll, as we'll probably talk through today, even just general public will start looking at to what PPE is. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's really just something usually to protect yourself. And then in some of the cases that we'll talk about, sometimes PPE is not only to protect yourself, but to protect um, the community and people around you. Right. So why is there so much concern about like the shortages now or the possibility of shortages? Cause the Caribbean hasn't really reached that place yet but it looks like they're getting there yeah i think the concern is is that a lot of the ppe that is um i think there's two things one is the amount of ppe that you might need uh and then the other thing is the supply of getting the ppe to where it needs to be yeah. um so on the first on the first part of it you know you have the the i think the priority is for healthcare providers to have ppe especially during a pandemic because they're the ones having the most exposure um, especially assuming that everyone is practicing the social distance guidelines. Healthcare providers are the ones that have the most exposure for the virus. And, you know, if they catch it, obviously they're not immune. They can um, end up themselves in the hospital or even worse, like death. So making sure that um, the, the amount of quantity that's needed um, for healthcare providers is, is a difficult thing to imagine because they're, they're having to use, like, Ideally, you don't want to reuse PPE. Like in the, in the most ideal world, you want to use one thing. And as soon as you were exposed and you're moving on to something different, you'll change out the PPE. Um, so a lot of them are being forced to reuse them. Uh, now, also from a quantity standpoint, one thing that's interesting to think about is 
when I was looking at um, when I was looking at when the um, the uh, coronavirus outbreak happened in Wuhan in China, what you when you looked at the footage of everything out there, you actually would see that everyone has a mask on. The mm -hmm. whole all everyone that you see in public has some form of a um, whether it be like a face mask, a medical mask, N95 mask, um, a, a bandana, they all had something on their face. And when you think about, okay, if every society had to do that, that's a lot of PPE to think about trying to cover for, you know, entire communities, especially if you think about something like the US. Um, you know, there, there's so much that's, there's so much demand there. And that's a huge problem because there's not enough PPE that's, that has usually been created to, fit that demand All right the other side of it is that a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me a lot of the ppe is created in some of these other countries that are not local like a lot of times ppe is imported from some other country so now with obviously travel issues and logistics and people not being able to go to work and things like that that creates a problem in the supply uh the supply chain part of it getting the ppe to where it needs to be um, so those are really the two big concerns in terms of like shortages for PPE. Yeah. So you mentioned that the amount of PPE that you have to wear. So that would be the amount having to switch out between patients as well as the amount of stuff you have to wear. Can you tell us a little bit about what encompasses the PPE in healthcare? Like what things, what items? Yes. So uh, I, I know it's the mask. That's definitely probably one of the bigger things that people have concerns about um, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, for the most part, um, you know, rubbing your, your nose and your eyes and things like that are ways that you can contract the virus, but also potentially, you know, breathing it in or through whether you're, it's your mouth or your nose. So having a mask is something that is one of the more essential things. Um, goggles is another part of PPE that people wear. Um, I'll, I've also seen face shields, um, mm -hmm. which is crazy how creative people are getting with creating these with like 3d printers <laughs> and like using household items and stuff to create that. Um, there's also caps that people wear, so nothing gets on their head. Uh, there's gowns that come along with, uh, working in the healthcare system. And this is people that are really on the front lines. Like not, right. I don't think every single person in the hospital has this type of, you know, PPE on. It's mostly people that are directly treating um, people that have COVID-19. Um, and then they have things that they wear around their shoes, um, like shoe covers. Um, and I'm trying to think of one other thing I was missing. Gloves, another super important one. Uh, mm -hmm. Gloves is probably the last thing that I can think of that people wear. Um, sometimes they're wearing even multiple layers of those gloves as well, depending on how, um, you know, how much on the front lines they might be uh, in treating the disease. Yeah. And us in pharmacy, like we use PPE when preparing medications in a hospital as well. So it's kind of not to protect the items that we're preparing, you know, trying to keep it as sterile as possible. Um, so you mentioned that the persons who are more on the front lines would probably be wearing more of these items. Um, so this would be like someone who has to intubate a patient and put them on the ventilators and things like that. So how would you say that these things need to be put on because i'm sure there's a way to put it on you can't re really touch touch your feet and um then use your hands again and put on gloves and things like that right yeah there's there's so many different um different health systems have a lot of times their own like protocols in place mm -hmm. uh, for example sometimes like you have to be before you even walk into like a particular area or room you have to put some of these things on 
or um, and then also the same thing like before you leave, you have to either take them off in a certain way. Um, but all of the rules in place in terms of putting these things on is making sure that uh, the least amount of exposure um, with some of these things are happening. Um, so it really depends on you know what health system you're working in. It also depends on how how much of that sort of uh, PPE you need to have on. Right. Um, again, because if you're just working in the pharmacy, you know you're not doing a full you know gowned workup of yeah. uh, of all that. But at the end of the day, it's just making sure that however it is that you're putting on your PPE, it's making sure that your hands um, are obviously as clean as possible. And then when you put something on, it's not contaminating something else that you're potentially putting on when, whether, when you're, you know, gowning up, let's say. So, yeah. um, but there's so many different things that, and, and like, there's like a, I think there's like a 10, I don't even know how many steps it is, but there's like a ton of steps as to like making sure that um, you're not cross contaminating and putting on that PPE. So it's, it's yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about this earlier, you know, probably not reusing PPE, but for our healthcare professionals in between patients, can you say specifically if it's safe or not safe to use PPE between patients and what are the yeah. risks maybe? So that's a very good question. And it's crazy kind of like how much uh, this stuff is evolving because mm -hmm when you've, you know, before the pandemic and when there was no real concern of shortage, there was no question that you don't want to reuse PPE. Um, you know, you want to, every time you're using, you're going to like a new patient or you're doing something new or in a different environment, you don't want to cross contaminate that. Um, now, as things gotten worse and as shortages started getting realized, even the CDC has started coming out with, you know, promoting the potential reuse of a particular item or showing you how to decontaminate um, a mask, let's say. But uh, the risk there is really just, again, the cross-contamination, which is usually the risk you know, across the board, is uh, getting exposure to a particular um, part, you know, um, particle or disease or virus, and then bringing that into other places uh, where that either wasn't originally there, or you're, you're just making it in a worse environment um, to be able to protect other people from poten potentially catching it. So. Um, ideally you don't want to reuse any PPE, but as shortages and things like that start to get more and more, um, uh, real and drastic, uh, there's, they're starting to come out with a lot more rules and guidelines as to if you do need to reuse PPEs, like take certain steps in terms of, um, either minimizing exposure or, um, decontaminating the PPE that you're currently wearing. Right. So we know masks are the hot commodity right now. Everybody's trying to grab hold of masks, especially with um, the new guidelines from the CDC and things like that. Um, what is the difference between just having like a cloth mask? Because a lot of folks are making them at home now. Um, everyone's whipping out the sewing machines and doing these awesome designs for masks. And then you have the surgical mask and then you have N95 mask, which seems to be the actual hot commodity in healthcare. What is the difference between those? Yeah, so I've actually saw, I mean, it was a couple of days ago, it's crazy how creative people are getting where they, you know, someone made a, a, a regular cloth mask out of just a bandana and like hair ties. And I was like, this is brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, so the couple of things with the, um, with the different types of masks. So I'll start like at the highest level, we'll start with like the N95. Okay. Uh, the N95, when you, it's really, it's the numbers and the letters are really a rating of the particular uh, particles that can get through 
um, a, a that mask or barrier that you're wearing on your face. Uh, and N95, it's rated to prevent um, almost like, I think it's like 95% or almost all of the a, a virus or size of a bacteria that can you can inhale. And that rating allows you to be protected from actually um, breathing in a, part, a, a particular virus that would give you the disease. So having an N95 or higher, because N95 is not the highest rating, there's, a, there's higher ratings than that. But having an N95 or higher rating mask will, will for the most part, protect you from actually inhaling or um, breathing in uh, the particular virus. And that's why it's such a hot commodity. Uh, and that's why it's also recommended to use if you are around someone else, like in the case of a healthcare worker, if you're a healthcare working treating people that know for sure have the, um, the coronavirus, mm -hmm. it helps you be able to be safely be around them and not be concerned about breathing in um, that particular um, virus. The other important thing too about an N95 mask, it has to fully cover your face and like there can't be any sort of like hole, I wanna say holes, but there can't be space between your face and that mask, which allows um, particular, again, virus to potentially get inside of that mask. And a lot of time men have to like shave their faces and things like that. Um, the masks have to be fitted to your face. Like they have different sizes of them. So if you're, if you're wearing one that's too big for your face, you, you're, you're, you're back at being potentially able to contract that virus because air can get into that mask um, without being filtered. Now the step down from that, what most people kind of see in, uh, the, in terms of the surgical mask, what they see out in public, the surgical mask does not provide the same level of protection for someone to contract the, like a virus. Now, I don't, I wouldn't say, you know, in general, you, you're not supposed to wear a surgical mask to prevent you from contracting it. However, it's not a 0%, you know, chance of like, of um, you particularly inhaling something like it still provides a, some sort of level of protection than not wearing a mask in terms of you breathing it in, but it has nowhere near the sort of level of protection um, that something like an N95 would have. And a lot of times, you know, there's a high possibility if you're around someone that has a, the coronavirus and you're only wearing a medical mask, there's a high possibility that you'll still be able to breathe in that virus. So a, a medical surgical mask is not something that protects the individual from contracting the virus. What medical masks are great for, especially for use by general public, and this is also uh, similar to the cloth mask, the reason why this is being promoted now by the CDC to use, and it's also the reason why countries in Asia have been so successful in stopping the spread, is because the surgical masks and even the cloth masks to some degree prevent someone that potentially has the virus from spreading it to others, wow. um, whether that be through breathing or through um, droplets and things like that. So that is the main, that is almost always the main reason to wear a surgical mask is to prevent uh, the actual spreading of the virus. And as uh, we, we're starting to learn more and more about now is that the reason why this, this virus gets spread so wildly is one, it's very contagious, but two, it's also being spread by people that don't have symptoms. Um, so people that are um, what they call asymptomatic. So people that do not have symptoms are potentially out in public, not knowing that they have the virus and spreading it because they're not wearing a mask and they're spreading it because they sneeze, they cough, they're, you know, regular breathing. All of that can potentially uh, cause to spread that particular virus. Now, the cloth mask, 
like a bandana, let's say, they're similar in the sense of, again, they're not going to protect you from particular, from um, particularly getting the virus. It's again, it's supposed to um, help you from not spreading it. Uh, but a lot of times the, the type of cloth material is not as, um, is not as dense and not as, as great at preventing droplets from escaping your mouth. Um, if that is the case now, a lot of times it depends on how much you fold it. So if you just take a regular cloth bandana without folding it and put it over your face, you know, there's very little, um, protection that that mask is serving in terms of preventing droplets from getting out. But the more you fold that mask or fold that bandana or cloth or whatever over on itself, the more barriers you create to create a better um, filter to not let things get outside of that mask. Wow. Um, and that's why a lot of times too. So because you can fold it that many times potentially um, and create almost a level of potentially a surgical mask, it allows you to um, have, you know, very similar protections from spreading the virus. And that's why you're seeing a lot of like um, company, a lot of organizations like the CDC starting to promote the use of widespread, widespread use of a cloth mask out in public. Yeah. I like how you talked about folding it over. I think that's probably one of the key things because these are fibers made from cloth. So there are going to be those large pore spaces for droplets or things to get through. So definitely folding it over is going to help with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and most of what I've seen in terms of the, uh, you know, the DIY mass at home, almost all of them involve like at least two or three folds of um, mm -hmm. at a minimum of a lot of those uh, bandanas that they're doing. So um, the more you can fold it and the thicker that you can make it is going to be the better, you know, it might be a little harder to breathe, but um, it's going to serve as better protection for, uh, for the pub, for the, um, the general public, if you're out around other people. Right. So yeah, the CDC is making this recommendation that, you know, you should probably everyone wear a mask in, in public, right? Um, what are some tips for proper usage of a mask? Cause I've, I went to the store today and I actually saw someone wearing a mask and it was under their nose. So yeah. maybe there should be some tips as to how we should wear these masks. Yeah. So uh, the two, two things about wearing the mask that are particularly important. And one is obviously if you're going to wear a mask, like you need to wear the mask. Um, a lot of right. times you see them either wearing it around their neck. I saw someone wearing it off of like one side of their face off of an ear. So I feel like if you're going to ha have a mask, like actually make sure it's being put to use. That's number one. Number two, in terms of thinking about um, what the mask is intended to do, it's intended to prevent you from spreading droplets outside, you know, to other people. And those things can come out of your nose and it can come out of your mouth. So you need to make sure the math is covering both of those things um, when you're wearing it. So you're not supposed to wear something that's, which I haven't seen this yet, luckily, uh, thankfully, I have like, you're not supposed to just wear something over your nose and you're not supposed to just wear something over your mouth. Yeah. Uh, so the mask should be on both your mouth and your nose uh, when you're wearing it. Now, um, that's in terms of like usage itself. Now, the problem that a lot of healthcare professionals have with people that wear masks is the potential for um, you to touch your face more. And touching your face more is obviously not ideal because the importance of washing your hands is so you're not, is so you're not potentially touching something that has a virus and then touching your mouth or your eyes or your nose that will essentially give yourself the virus. So what the concern is, is that, all right, people that wear a mask, they're going to scratch their face more because it's itching or they're going to be taking the mask on and off by touching, you know, somewhere around their face or their nose or something like that. 
Uh, so that is one thing that you have to be really cognizant of. If you're going to wear a mask, you do you want to make sure you're not touching your face um, or, or just really try not to touch your face if you're wearing one because you could be potentially spreading the virus that you might have just touched onto your face. Um, and I think that goes to say in terms of like taking the mask off and things like that. If you're going to take the mask off, you obviously don't want to immediately grab where your mouth is with your fingers inside of your mask or around your nose. Um, I would try to hold it by the strings um, that the mask is um, being attached to your face on by taking it off that way um, without having to actually, again, again, the whole point of all this is just minimizing the um, exposure from your hands uh, to touch your nose or your mouth. So whenever you're putting on or off a mask, just make sure your hands are clear from your nose, mouth, and eyes. Yeah. I was just thinking about, you know, we're talking about masks, but I've seen folks wearing gloves as well. And it's really important to know how to use gloves, you know, because if you're touching things and that may have the virus, the idea is for you to have not have your fingers touch these things. So it's important for you to make sure you're switching out gloves if you need to or taking off the gloves before you get into your home and touching other things. Um, there's also a recommendation now to wipe down some of the items if you're picking them up from the grocery store, maybe cans, bottles, things of that nature. So definitely making sure that you're using gloves properly as well. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing too. You know, even with masks and gloves, people get like a false sense of security. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not paying attention, it's actually, it could potentially have worse outcomes. Uh, what's unfortunate is a lot of times I see people that use gloves and, you know, they're, they're with the right intention, they're using gloves to potentially not, you know, touch things that can give them the virus. But then I'll also see them immediately reach into their pocket and grab their phone and start using the phone with their gloves. That's on. That's a good one. Yeah. Or I'll, you know, you know, I'll see them grab something that they have, whether it be their keys or their own doors and things like that with the gloves on. Um, which is not, you know, that's not the right way to do that because you're this, you're whatever it is that you touch that you're trying to protect yourself against, it then goes on the glove and then you start spreading it everywhere else on things that you have. So, um, you know, I think being cognizant of that as well. And then in terms of taking off the gloves, um, you have to assume that when you're wearing gloves and you are using it to protect yourself, that your the outside of your glove is completely contaminated. You just have yeah. to assume that. And the reason you assume that is it allows you to know that, okay, when I, when I take off this glove, I have to make sure I don't touch anything on the outside of this glove. Um, so a lot of times you want to um, be able to, there's some techniques that I would you know, highly recommend that people go on YouTube and kind of search exactly how this is done. But there's a technique of how to take off your gloves without actually touching the outside of the gloves um, with, your, with your hands that are not protected. So if anyone's listening to this, make sure that if you decide to wear gloves, make sure you know exactly that there's a right and a wrong way to take off the gloves when you're finished yeah. in order to prevent um, uh, the spreading of potential virus that might be on the gloves. Yeah. So that's great advice. I mean, I think a lot of folks are going to probably start wearing the masks and the gloves outdoors. And it's important for them to know how to use it and make sure that they're being cognizant about their the ways that they're taking them off and putting them on and things like that. So thank you so much for this. Um, is there anything you'd like to leave for our Caribbean community in terms of the coronavirus? I know there's a lot of fear and anxiety associated with it. So is there anything you want to let us know? Yeah, I think the important things is to follow these social distancing guidelines um, that are out there because uh, if we can do that uh, in the most extreme way possible, 
uh, it allows us to create a better economy for, um, you know, it allows us to get rid of this quicker to allow us to get back to normal life and, and back to better in the economy. Every single economy that we can probably think of right now is going to have an impact and it's going to be impacted by this. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's an unfortunate reality. The, so now being that that is the case, the goal is to minimize the amount of, um, you know, impact on the economy. And that's going to be through like extreme social distancing um, for certain periods of time. Uh, I would highly recommend if, you know, people wear, you know, makeshift masks at home uh, that allow them to not again, spread it. If they do, are going to be going out in public for whatever reason, I would highly recommend everyone wear a mask if they can get their hands on creating one. I would leave the N95 ones and the surgical ones to the healthcare professionals. Definitely. I wouldn't hoard, yeah. I would, I wouldn't hoard, hoard the, those sorts of things because it's not going to really provide the, you know, the extra, you know, the protection you need can come from a, from a DIY mask in terms of you spreading it to others. So I would really recommend you do that and not hoard it. And, um, and then at the end of the day, one big thing is that like, you know, this is all temporary. Um, once a vaccine comes out, um, once we're able to stop the spread, you know, things will go back to normal and just trying to make sure that we're able to get through this um, safe and healthy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Wade. I really would like for you to tell folks how they can find you on social media um, or any other avenue that you want to put out there. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty active on Twitter. You can just search Richard Waithe on Twitter. You can find me. Um, but I'm on any every social media platform. If you just search my name, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, you just search Richard Waith and um, I should pop up there. Yeah, Thank and definitely. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And definitely, if anyone is interested in pharmacy school, RX Radio is probably the best place for you to go. There's so much to talk about, about, you know, getting prepared for pharmacy school. And you didn't even mention that you are an author. I mean, you kind of <laughs> left that out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did, I did write a book. Um, it, it's mainly for people that, uh, you know, do want to go into pharmacy. Um, yeah. And then RX radio is great. It has a, a lot of different interviews with different, um, career fields in pharmacy. A lot of times people think of a pharmacist as just someone that puts pills in a bottle where, you know, there's hundreds of different sort of specialties and avenues that a pharmacist can work in. Um, and that's what RX radio really, um, really kind of shows and, and exposes the public to. So. Appreciate that. Thank you so much, Dr. Waithe, for shedding some light on this very important topic. I know a lot of folks out there are going to be looking for places to buy masks, but our recommendation is to make your own mask at home. There are so many videos online that show how to make a mask out of things around the house, and we're going to post one to our website. So visit our website, rxrounds.com, for more information on Dr. Waithe and how you can make your own mask at home. If you enjoyed this episode, click that subscribe button. There's a lot more coming up that you don't want to miss. And check us out on Facebook and Instagram for who we're talking to next in our COVID-19 series. See you next round.